0: The University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake is in the midst of an ambitious plan to limit healthcare-associated infections, or HAIs. This fiscal year, Upper Chesapeake Operating Plan helps light the path to zero harm for our patients and their families. Today on the Hero Podcast, we will hear from those charged with drafting the plan for high quality care and how team members play a vital role in this important patient safety initiative. Hello, I'm Colin Ward, Vice President of Population Health, and joining me today to discuss the operating plan and our goals for the next 12 months is Lyle Sheldon, the CEO of Upper Chesapeake, going on now, what, 30-something years?
1: Just celebrated my 31st anniversary here at University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health, and 24 is CEO.
0: So when you started here, the Berlin Wall was still up and Michael Jackson was just releasing albums left and right? Quite a change from from those days.
1: And some of us were still in high school or college.
0: (laughs) Some of of us may have been. (laughs) So, Lau, you know, as we get started here today, I think maybe we'll start with the most basic question for for folks that are listening is, what exactly is an operating plan and how are they put together?
1: Every well-run organization needs to be focused on its mission, vision, and values that drive what we do on an annual basis and strategically long-term. A key component of that is this idea of of an operating plan, which outlines for our board, for our medical staff, for our team members, what are the key organizational objectives that we want to try to accomplish in that upcoming year in front of us. So
0: an operating plan that you would have seen, you know, 30 years ago is probably looking a little bit different than one that you're seeing today and that you've helped craft today. So why is there such a focus now on healthcare-associated infections in an operating plan?
1: As we look at one of our key responsibilities in servicing our community, from a patient perspective, it falls into three broad categories. Don't hurt me, heal me, be nice to me. And as we think about this idea of healthcare-associated infections, that falls into the category of don't hurt me, because these are infections that theoretically are avoidable and preventable when patients are in our care.
0: And so are there... Obviously, there are internal forces here at play. We, we think we can do better in this arena. How about externally? Are there external forces that are pushing hospitals to focus on this?
1: I think what I would say is that when you look across the country, you know, there tend to be a number of different service industries or professional industries that have put this high focus on reducing patient harm or reducing harm for their clients. You certainly have the aeronautical industry. Right. You certainly have nuclear power and I think healthcare has finally fallen into that arena where really our responsibility is this notion of doing no harm for our patients. I think there's an internal expectation amongst our team members and our physicians that those things that are preventable or avoidable that we have control over, we should be working very, very diligently to minimize. I think there's an external expectation from the family members and patients in the community and society at large, that when you come to a hospital, it should be a safe place and you shouldn't come out with an infection or another complication that you didn't have prior to your arrival.
0: And that's what you're describing really is high-quality care then?
1: It's high-quality care and safe care. And I think it's important to, to to put those two together in the same sentence.
0: Great. So Upper Chesapeake has an ambitious plan. We We know that we've set goals around... Uh, certain components of our operating plan relating to safe and and high-quality care. So if we we hit those targets, and we do a good job here on this journey to zero harm, what will that mean for Upper Chesapeake and our patients?
1: As I think about that question, when you look at the leading causes of death here in the United States, first is heart disease, second is cancer, but the third leading cause of death across the United States is medical error. And the majority of those medical errors take place in the hospitals across the country. And the majority of those medical errors are avoidable or preventable. And so when you put it into the context of what does that mean from a patient standpoint, it means fewer patients that are dying unnecessarily. It means fewer patients that are having some type of potentially debilitating injury that they would not have had while they were here. And I think those are the success factors that we're looking at. It's really decreasing the risk for that patient while they're in our care at our hospitals.
0: Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Lyle. We're just getting started here. Uh, When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dr. Leo Hirio Herrera. He is the Medical Director for Infection Prevention. You're listening to the Upper Chesapeake Hero Podcast.
2: Are you or someone you love experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis? The Klein Family Harford Crisis Center in Bel Air can help. With care available 24-7 in a comfortable and safe setting, our team of professionals are experts in helping you manage the struggles that often feel impossible. The Crisis Center's hotline is available day or night, and our mobile crisis team will come directly to you. Our 24-7 walk-in clinic for urgent care at 802 Baltimore Pike provides treatment with compassion and respect. Experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis is scary, but you're not alone. We are here to help. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or visit harfordcrisiscenter.org.
0: As we continue our discussion on the journey to zero harm, I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Leo Hirio Herrera, board-certified infectious disease physician and the medical director of infection prevention at Upper Chesapeake. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for welcoming me. As we get started, can you tell us what are healthcare-associated infections?
3: Sure. So uh, an HAI is essentially an an infection that occurs on any particular patient, as a complication of treatment, whether it's medical treatment, any procedure, anything that happened within the the hospital walls uh, that was uh,
0: not intended uh, because of therapy. I understand. And how did you come to be so interested in this component of healthcare? Because you're trying to treat patients, uh, and then there's this sort of secondary component about patients who who may have some issues that, that come up as part of that care.
3: So one of the reasons that I really enjoy uh, infectious diseases, really, is the range in acuity of disease. So, for example, uh, within our field, we can see uh, tropical-related infections, whether it's malaria, um, traveling diarrhea, uh, within our, you know, just in general, HIV, viral illnesses, and within the hospital many common infections like blood infections, pneumonia, and then within that category, there is the hospital-acquired infection. So, so there is such a large variety. Plus we also get to have a pretty um, significant impact on patients They may be really sick from an infection, but if we're able to see them uh, quick and early enough and institute the right therapy, they can be feeling better hopefully within a day or two. So the ability for us to impact their health is, is very palpable, uh, very visible.
0: So that brings some joy back to the work that you're trying to. Of course, simplify. yeah, yes, absolutely. Excellent, and and so talk, walk us through, what, what are kind of the causes for uh, healthcare associated infections and, and how do they sort of originate?
3: So unfortunately, like many things in medicine, there are side effects or uh, adverse reactions that happens with procedures or medicine related treatments. So for example, antibiotics. When you have an infection, the whole point is to get an antibiotic to kill the bad bacteria. Well, the antibiotic doesn't discriminate. It will kill the bad bacteria, but then it will also, for example, kill some good bacteria that's in your gut. And as it kills some good bacteria, it may cause an adverse reaction of an antibiotic-induced diarrhea, or C. diff. Uh, that's, the, that's one of the common hospital acquired infections. And so it's an, it's an unfortunate side effect. of of certain therapy. For example, people who need a foley catheter to empty their bladder. It's obviously providing a benefit, but it can also lead to infections of the urine. So hospital acquired infections happen because of therapies or treatments that we're doing to help the patient. But as I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this question, each intervention may have a side effect or an adverse reaction.
0: And so that's probably something that most patients, when they come to the hospital, aren't even thinking about. So so how, how can patients and families sort of be better advocates for themselves in, in the way that they seek care and avoid these HIV? Yeah, that's
3: a great question. I think uh, patient advocacy is a big part of hospital-acquired infection prevention. Uh, the biggest way to prevent one is for each patient or family member to be aware and realize that they have uh, the power and the autonomy to ask those healthcare providers, whether it's a physician, a nurse, a tech, a case manager who's coming into the room, to ask them if they have washed their hands. That's step one in what we do is when we come see a patient, we should be washing our hands with the alcohol rub. um, And... If the patient perhaps didn't see this process, they could ask the, question, the simple question, did you wash your hands? If the provider says yes, that's great. But if not, then you know, you are at least are providing them with the opportunity to do that before uh, having contact with the patient.
0: And, and that seems like a very simple thing, washing your hands. Is that Does that have the biggest impact? It does have a huge impact, and uh, it is a very simple step that can
3: prevent a number of hospital-acquired infections.
0: Why is it difficult for healthcare organizations then to get from from you know uh, providing excellent care for patients down to zero harm it seems like every intervention has some inherent risk that comes with it as you described earlier so so how come how come this remains a problem there's plenty of smart people in healthcare why is it so difficult to get to zero harm
3: i think it's uh, there are two components number one is the i think cultural change i think maybe a decade or two decades ago those adverse reactions that come with with each therapeutic intervention, were just uh, granted, you know, by the medical field. So we said, okay, we'll give you an antibiotic, there's a certain risk, it just happens. And there was no, there were no steps implemented to reduce the, the risk. So we're changing that culture of the expectation from the medical field. And then the second thing is, as I mentioned, every intervention does have a side effect or an adverse reaction. So like with antibiotics, the example I gave, you're killing the bad bacteria uh, but it also kills good bacteria and that puts you at certain risks. So what we're trying to do is, number one, making sure that our therapy is absolutely indicated and then try to have an effect on the other components that may be contributing to hospital-acquired infections in order to overall reduce, reduce the risk of, uh, of the hospital-acquired infection and bring those numbers
0: to zero, uh, which is our whole goal of zero harm. And certainly the, the patients that we see now in, in a hospital and patients that are uh, you know, aging and have more chronic conditions, their medication regimen is much more complex than it was previously. Does that play into this as well? Does that make it more difficult for you as a provider and, and for the clinical team? Uh, case complexity
3: continues to rise just because as health care improves and as interventions allow people to live longer, Uh, even with chronic conditions, then you're trying to manage different aspects of each patient's health. So you do have to have an awareness of what's going on and how uh, therapeutic interventions intervene and interact with other physicians and other recommendations and other uh, therapies as well.
0: So you have an interesting vantage point here along the healthcare continuum. You you see patients outside of the hospital in your clinic, and you obviously you consult on patients and follow patients in the hospital. So are there things that uh, clinicians on, uh, you know within the hospital and clinicians and those that are outside of the hospital could do to uh, potentially impact uh, healthcare associated infections?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think from our perspective, from the infectious disease pr- pr- perspective, One of the most important things is um, accurate diagnosing. So you hear often in the outpatient setting when somebody has a upper respiratory infection, a URI, and they end up on an antibiotic like a ZPAC or uh, another antibiotic for a pneumonia or for a bacterial infection. Accurate diagnosing means that if you know that 90% or greater of all uh, URIs, upper respiratory respiratory infections, are virus-related, you don't need an antibiotic. So again, by establishing the right diagnosis, it leads to the right therapeutic intervention, which really for this viral URI would be just monitoring, no antibiotic, and that way you're reducing and eliminating the risk of antibiotic-induced side effects. Uh, In other areas, such as urinary retention, where many times we went to a Foley catheter chronically, we can now essentially uh, self-cath the patients, reducing the risk. Or for example, in things like bacteria, which means bacteria in the urine. Um, many of these times it is asymptomatic, which means that the patient has no symptoms. So if you have the right diagnosis of asymptomatic bacteria, which means again, a patient with no symptoms, bad bacteria in the urine, the recommendation is monitoring with no antibiotics. That compared to somebody with a UTI, or urinary tract infection, where antibiotics are needed. So if you made the right diagnosis of asymptomatic bacteria, for example, you're avoiding risk to the patient by providing them um, therapies that are not needed. So I think in the outpatient setting and in the inpatient setting, the right diagnosis and the right therapeutic intervention, which sometimes means no intervention, is really important for the patients and for the prevention of hospital-acquired infections.
0: And sometimes those patients come come to the physician saying, hey, I just want an antibiotic. That's right. That's right.
3: So essentially, education of the patients and informing them of the right expectation. Because you're right. Many patients say, "Oh, my neighbor got a CPAC when they had a runny nose. Why? Why am I not getting one?" So I think if the physician, whether in the outpatient setting or the inpatient setting, if they have informed the patient that look, we don't want to give you an adverse reaction or a hospital-acquired infection. So let's just monitor you for the next two, three, four days. I think they're going to feel. Uh, Comforted by the fact that number one, we're keeping them from adverse risks and number two, they are consulting with their physician in order to have the right care provided.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Hirio Herrera, for your time. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much. When we come back, we'll be joined by Dr. Farine Barreto to see where this journey will take us. You're listening to the University of Maryland, Upper Chesapeake Health Hero Podcast.
2: The solution to your debilitating back and neck pain is closer than you think. At UM Upper Chesapeake Health, we provide the full spectrum of spine care for both adult and pediatric patients. Our comprehensive approach to treating back and neck pain includes an advanced evaluation and both non-surgical and surgical treatment for all spinal disorders. And it's all personalized just for you. Through the University of Maryland Spine Network, we have world-class spine care right here in our community. Learn more at umuch.org Slash spine. Welcome
0: back to the Upper Chesapeake Hero Podcast. I'm Colin Ward, and we're learning more about healthcare-associated infections and how impactful they are, and we want to hear more about Upper Ch- Chesapeake's plan to eliminate them. So joining us now is Dr. Fermin Barreto, the Chief Medical Officer for Upper Chesapeake. Fermin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, uh, you know, healthcare-associated infections are a national problem, and there are strategies that can be put in place to combat th- this issue. Uh, how have we organized for success here at Upper Chesapeake? Well,
4: uh, let me give you a couple examples, Colin. Uh, one of the biggest ones, of course, is our, uh, what we call bundles, to handle uh, hospital-acquired infections. And one particular bundle involves clostridium difficile diarrheal illness and antimicrobial stewardship, which has an entire slew of processes that we're trying to improve our use of antibiotic use, since that's what causes the, the, the disease, and also the testing stewardship to make sure we diagnose the disease appropriately. And the combination of these two strategies helps us drive down uh, C. diff. And where even just five or 10 years ago, our rates were uh, you know, double digits on a monthly basis. We have actually gone months at times at the whole hospital system without a single C. diff uh, case, showing that these strategies are highly effective in decreasing these hospital acquired infections.
0: That's great. And so, you know, one of the things that Dr. Leo mentioned is the ability to properly diagnose and get the right treatment so that you're limiting the opportunity for that secondary that 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 bad benefit side effect that comes with a particular medication or a particular treatment regimen.
4: Right. So, uh, you're referring to the false positives that can occur if we overtest and as well as making sure that we
0: target the therapy at the right patient. So our teammates, they obviously play a vital role in reducing healthcare-associated infections. So what should they be focused on here as we move forward?
4: So, of course, we have team members across the spectrum. Uh, the, the one that unites us all and where every single team member that uh, works inside the hospital and that can contribute and help help us reduce hospital-acquired infections is hand hygiene. Uh, we need to get to 100% every single What person. does
0: that mean, hand hygiene?
4: So that is washing in prior to going into any patient room and washing out. Uh, usually with the hand sanitizer that is located right outside the room, uh, there, there are rare cases where you have to use soap and water, and those are usually labeled with a particular isolation rooms. But uh, essentially, you're washing in before you go in, washing out, coming out.
0: Yeah, it seems like a pretty easy thing to do. Right. Uh,
4: you can be complacent, you forget, or the sanitizer is out. There's a lot of different things that can poke a hole into this, but uh, we have to understand, you know, whether you're going in delivering a food tray, you're going in to evaluate the patient, uh, this is critical for our success for HAI. For
0: so in your role as chief medical officer, you obviously work very closely with the medical staff here. What can the providers and, and nursing team members do to limit the risk for pot-
4: potential infection? So now for the nursing staff, I think there is a tremendous, uh, you know, set of processes that are already in place. Some of them are very labor-intensive. In fact, a lot of the things that we are doing in maintaining uh, lines such as CLABSI or CAUTIs, uh, you know, and taking that on to MRSA bacteremia, it's very labor-intensive to clean and bathe the patient in these chlorhexidine baths, but we know that that decreases the incidence of MRSA bacteremia. Our increase in compliance of that process is going to help us drive down hospital-acquired infections. Uh, for the medical staff, the ins- proper uh, technique when you insert these uh, central lines or, uh, or uh, the catheters is critical so that that patient doesn't develop that hospital-acquired infection upon insertion. So there's insertion technique, and then there's maintenance of the hardware as well that are both key and critical to be able to prevent
0: an HAI. So as a, as a clinician, you've got to decide what does the patient have, what's the appropriate treatment use the proper technique and then maintain it and so all those steps need to fall in place and if, if any one of those things is not not perfect then you you increase the risk for having an infection Look at you Colin I now, think you can get out on the floors and help <laughs> us out man I just need your white coat <laughs> now, we've been talking a lot about uh, you know infections but d- does the same sort of uh, principle and strategy also apply to uh, you know falls or, or other injuries that can be acquired in the hospital? yeah
4: absolutely. In fact, a lot of these go back to the HRO principles that we're talking about, about becoming a highly engaged and reliable organization. Be it falls, uh, procedures on the wrong side, all of these uh, you know, uh, hospital acquired conditions really are, you know, we can apply the same HRO principles, develop nice, safe processes so that we can keep our patients uh, free from harm when they come into the hospital. I think one of the biggest uh, slides that I have seen, the biggest take, um, the biggest driver for me is knowing that if we took into account all medical errors in the United States and lumped them into one uh, bucket, it would actually be the third leading cause of death in yeah. the United States. And I think when you tell a clinician that, it really drives home that we need to do better. We can do better.
0: So it's these little things every day uh, that if we, if we are appropriately nailing these items, we can eliminate these in, in a big way. Yes, these are avoidable.
2: Are you ready to have a conversation about lasting and effective weight loss? At UM Upper Chesapeake Health, the bariatric surgery team knows that obesity can be a complex disease. They know that every individual's needs are unique and as experts in clinical care, nutrition and exercise, they work together to meet the specific needs of each patient. Through a patient-focused plan, they can help you say goodbye to excess weight and hello to a more active life. When traditional approaches to weight loss have not been successful, our bariatric surgery program may be right for you. Learn more at umuch.org slash weight loss.
0: Welcome back to the Hero Podcast, joined again by Lyle Sheldon, the Upper Chesapeake Chief Executive Officer. And Lyle, you are an avid cyclist. I think most people know that. Um, You've even ridden portions of the Giro d'Italia course in, in Italy, and it's not uncommon for you to ride 100 miles in a weekend. So tell us, can there be any parallels drawn between our journey to zero harm and the endurance and training required of riding in some of Europe's premier cycling events?
1: So when you think about cycling, like so many hobbies or interests that we have, our proficiency improves as we spend more time in preparation and or planning. And as I was preparing to do the legendary climbs of the Giro d'Italia, and these are in the Doma Lights in the great country of Italy, imagine a majestic mountain peak surrounded by snow-capped visuals. And going up a mountain that might be eight or 10,000 feet above sea level, and you may have 48 switchbacks.
0: And that's where you just, you keep turning as you go up the side of the mountain. Just to back get and back
1: forth. and forth up the mountain, or to have a five-mile climb that has your legs saying things that you didn't know your legs <laughs> could say to you, either in Italian or in English, <laughs> and then knowing that you cr- when you crest that you have an opportunity to scream down the mountain at 55 to 60 miles an hour. But I put that in the context of me coming from sea level and preparing to, tr- preparing to ride where you have elevation at that high. And uh, like our HAI journey, it was a lot of preparation. It's the people, it's the processes, and it's the equipment that we have in place or that we had in place to train for those rides. And in some regards, it's no different than our journey towards zero harm or their healthcare associated infections. It's a lot of work by a lot of people trying to make sure that we are putting together the systems, the processes, the attention to detail to make sure that we're minimizing the risk for our patients while they're hospitalized with us. And that's what this context is of a journey towards zero harm. No healthcare-associated infections and things in that particular category.
0: Well, it's an ambitious goal for sure, and uh, one that we can certainly achieve here at Upper Chesapeake, right?
1: Absolutely. We've got the confidence, and you've heard some of my colleagues from the medical staff standpoint that have the same passion in this journey as I do.
0: Well, thanks, Lyle. I hope you've enjoyed listening to our new format for the Hero Podcasts. Our next episode will actually be released on November 5th.
1: You mean dropped November 5th, as the kids say.
0: (laughs) That's right. As the kids say, it'll be dropped on November 5th. (laughs) So thanks for joining us as we learn more about healthcare-associated infections. And thanks to our guests, Dr. Leo Hirio herrera and Dr. Fermin Barreto, and of course, Lyle Sheldon. I'm Colin Ward and we hope you will join us on the journey to zero harm.